0: This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Malija Sayed. Today, we're taking a closer look at how and why Washington diverts millions in child support away from people receiving public benefits. You know, when you're so
1: poor like I am, I'm all, any money is good
0: money. Most so states, I- including Washington, intercept child support from people who get benefits through the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, or TANF, program. Currently, state lawmakers are backing a bill that would redirect a significant portion of future payments to families. This is good policy that has wide bipartisan support that is necessary for families who are struggling to make ends meet. In this episode, we speak with CrossCut's Brandon Block about his reporting on Washington's confiscation of child support, including its impact on a single mother of two teenagers. So, Brandon, could you tell me a little bit about Amy Rourke, just who she is, where she lives, and her family?
2: Sure. Amy Rourke is a mother of two teenagers as well as two adult children. She lives in Vancouver, Washington, outside of Portland. And she, I'd say for most of her adult life, has been reliant on various forms of public assistance. Each month they send you these little things that tells you what is owed to you and what's not. And crucially, also child support from her
1: exes. I have two babies' dads right here. There's two cases. is um, how much one each owes now.
2: To support her and her two teenagers who live with her.
0: Does she work or when was the last time that she worked?
2: She last worked full-time in 2010. But since then, she told me that she has numerous volunteer gigs, uh, which provide some stipends, which she supplements her income with. But other than that, she her main income source is child support. So she has been on and off TANF throughout her life, but most recently in 2017, she signed up for TANF. It
1: stands for Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, a federal program designed to help families with little to no income.
2: And she told me that was because her ex was not consistently paying his child support to her.
1: Not receiving any child support, I had no choice but to go get on TANF. Who is kind of the typical person who uses
0: TANF.
2: Yeah, so TANF is is public assistance, historically known as welfare. We're talking about uh, cash assistance. It's, yeah, people with families with children. It's a lot of single mothers, traditionally, and it can vary pretty widely across states how much money you actually get, and it also varies depending on the size of the family. Um, But yeah, we're talking about people who are quite low-income.
0: So, Amy, what happened when she started using it?
2: Yeah, so when she started using TANF, she also stopped receiving her child support payments. Um, that's not because her ex wasn't paying. In fact, he was. What was happening was that the state was intercepting those payments um, and not delivering them to her.
1: Well, you know what? When you're that desperate and you're trying to get, you know, you need food, you need, you need money for anything, shelter, whatever, you don't really care. I'm all if you're signing over next month's child support, you just don't think about it.
0: And this practice is something that isn't unique to Washington and it also is something that has been happening for a long time. When low income fathers and it's usually fathers make child support payments, most of their p- payments go to pay back the government for the cost of public assistance received by the mother and child. How long has this been going on and and why do states do that?
2: This has been happening for a long time. I was, uh, frankly, surprised to learn about it pretty recently. The federal government, their sort of jargon for this policy is called cost recovery. And it's been happening for at least since the 1970s. Uh, I wasn't able to pinpoint the exact date, but it goes back a long time. I spoke to someone at the Center for Budget and Policy Priorities who wrote a recent paper kind of outlining the history of these policies. And they go back all the way to the 19th century. She kind of traced the origins to uh, these things called poor relief laws. And uh, basically, these laws treated public assistance as a loan. And there's an expectation that you're going to pay this money back. And for folks who couldn't afford to repay that debt, they could be sued by the county. They could be imprisoned or even forced into indentured servitude. And what she told me was that those kinds of ideas about poor people being responsible for their own circumstances and and being sort of held accountable for uh, repaying this money, those ideas sort of seeped into the creation of welfare in the 20th century. And those kinds of practices have continued uh, to this day. So
0: how much money on average does Washington take from families
2: it's about $40 million a year in the last few years that is taken from, uh, specifically from families who are currently on TANF. Um, that has changed over time. It was uh, nearly doubled in 2020, but uh, yeah, for the last couple of years, it's about $40 million.
0: And today, if Washington is taking that money from someone, where are they putting it? Where does it go?
2: So the state splits that money that it collects with the federal government. Uh, It varies in each state, but in Washington, it's about half and half. Um, And that money goes back into, half of that money goes into Washington State's General Fund, and the other half goes back to the federal government.
0: In your story, you wrote that the state technically could pass this money along to people who are receiving TANF, but they often don't in their incentives to not. What are those incentives?
2: So um, the way that the child support system is set up, and, and this goes back to the 1970s when um, the federal government created uh, the Office of Child Support Enforcement. When you sign up for TANF, you are required to sign your rights to your child support away to the state. And so the state collects your child support on your behalf. And states are actually required by the federal government to do this. But that's where they have choices. They can decide, for example, to pass all of that money along to the family that it was intended for, or they can decide to keep all of it, or they can decide, which is what Washington State does right now, to pass along a small portion of it and keep the rest. And so right now in Washington, if you are a parent who receives welfare benefits, you can receive a maximum of $50 per month of your child support payments, a uh, hundred if you have multiple children, uh, and the rest of that money is retained by the state. I would like to welcome the prime sponsor to please come and tell us about the bill. And, we'll-
0: and, right and right now, lawmakers are trying to address this practice in a bill. What is the bill really targeting and what would change if it did pass?
2: Yeah, so the bill is an attempt to address part of this problem. So this bill was introduced last session and it's now passed the House twice, but is uh, still working its way through the Senate at the moment.
1: For the record, my name is Amy Rourke
2: and I live in Vancouver. I'm here in strong support of House Bill 1652. And what it would do is it would require future payments, uh, a portion of future payments to be directed to the families.
0: This bill builds on that and would finally reinstate the child
2: support pass-through. It would basically be the the monthly payment amount that the family is supposed to get. They would they would get all of that payment, but they wouldn't necessarily it wouldn't necessarily end the practice of the state withholding money. They could still withhold portions of the child support, for example, that they've determined to be debt that's owed to the state. Um, and there is quite a significant amount of child support that is accumulated as debt. So what this would do is it would direct a significant Portion of future payments to families, but not all of them.
0: And this bill in particular does have bipartisan support. Why is that?
2: Yeah, so it's passed twice out of the House now by wide margins, most recently only three votes against. One of the co sponsors on the bill, Travis Couture, he's a Republican who represents Mason County. And he told me that this policy just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, we're talking about people who qualify for welfare benefits. These are some of the poorest families in our state. This program is intended to help give them a hand up out of poverty. And really what we're doing, as he described, is we're taxing their child support, which uh, is not really the state's to take in the first place, in his view. And so he described that the folks in his caucus were receptive to the idea of, you know, this being functioning essentially as a tax on our poorest families.
0: Essentially, taxing child support by giving the state money intended for children is not an effective way to support families in need.
2: You know, the advocates describe this, too, of of talking to legislators who maybe didn't even know that this was happening. I think it's really not well known about. And uh, so, yeah, I think we've, we've seen across the aisle people being receptive to reforming this.
0: How is the state right now responding to some of these grievances and to this bill? I
2: haven't heard really any outright opposition, except for those few members who voted against it. But the state agency that's in charge of child support, um, the Department of Social and Health Services, um, when I interviewed them, they told me, yeah, we think this is a good policy. They they haven't like openly come out and supported it, uh, but they told me they do think it's a good idea. However, they also have requested that the bill's implementation be stayed for two years so that they can have more time to upgrade IT systems to help process this new policy and that has been actually there's a uh in the senate committee uh, where the bill is currently there's been a proposed amendment to delay implementation for two years at the request of of dshs
0: we appreciate the amendment put forth by senator dingra that would revise the effective date of the bill to january 1
2: 2026. so i'm not clear on what's going to happen with that it was originally supposed to go into effect this summer Um, And so they've asked for a a year-and-a-half delay on it.
0: Thinking back to Amy, I know she's been on TANF a few times before, but could you talk a little bit about just how her life changed once she started using it this time around, and, yeah, how she and her family were affected?
2: Yeah, so Amy definitely, I would say, has, has struggled for quite a while. She's been on and off TANF numerous times, she told me that, um, you know, I think it's it's hard to kind of articulate or it can be hard to articulate like how you're impacted by not
1: having money that you never had. Right. You know, you know what? I don't know how I've done it. And I still I'm all to this day. I'm all it's 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 scraped by when I say I have no money, like I have no no money, <laughs> like nothing.
2: But um, I, I think for her, she kind of described the impact of having these payments intercepted as just kind of losing time with her kids. She talked about how uh, challenging it can be when, you know, you're always just sort of, every day you're getting up and you're just trying to figure out, like, how am I going to get through this week? How am I going to get through this month? In that way that it can be when you're living paycheck to paycheck and, and
1: every dollar counts. Put it this way, when I finally was, eight, when I got the unemployment for COVID, when I got that, I was able to be to live to be in the present moment with my kids not to be in fight or flight mode every day not to wonder how am i going to how am i going to get their next meal today
2: she told me that uh, one of the things she does uh, at the end of the month when she is you know really strapped for cash is she'll collect metal cans and drive them across the river into oregon where you can get a 10 cent recycling fee per can i can
1: recycle cans for 10 cents a can across the bridge so that's A lot of the times how I come up with extra money, that means one big black garbage bag is about 36 bucks.
2: So, yeah, I think this money would have would have gone a long way throughout the course of the time that the nearly four years she was on TANF. It was several thousand dollars that she lost uh, because of this policy. And, yeah, that would have had a really significant impact on on her life, she thinks.
0: How does the money that she was getting through TANF compare to what she
2: was getting through child support? So TANF, like I said, can vary. On average, in Washington, for a family of three, which would would describe her family, you would get about $700 a month. Her child support order has fluctuated, and child support uh, is extremely variable depending on the income of the non-custodial parent, the income of the custodial parent, all kinds of different factors. And hers has been as high as uh, $714, which is what it is now. It's been as low as $40 a month. So that can really vary.
0: Thinking about her life and her own experiences, it sounds like she has often been in a position where she's having to make ends meet without enough money or really stretching herself thin financially financially. What does she think the future will look like? Does she have hope? What does she think is coming next for her and her family?
2: Yeah, it's definitely, uh, she's definitely been through some hard times. I do think that it's fair to say that definitely if this policy were changed, it would be a a significant help to Amy and and folks like her. She told me that uh, one of the things she would love to do would be to take her kids on vacation, which is something that they just haven't been able to do. She has always wanted to take them to the Grand Canyon, but hasn't had the money to do that. She said she also has uh, this dream of having a roller skating rink open in, in her town to take her kids to.
0: Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Brandon Block. It was produced by Sarah Bernard and me, Malih Sayed. The story editor was Ryan Famuliner. Our executive producer is Sarah Menzies. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you would like to support the work we do at Crosscut, Whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docu-series we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com slash membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Ali Hussayed. We'll be back soon with another episode.